Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. So let's look at this. Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 1. And here's what Luke records. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, the lake of Gennesaret is just another name for the Sea of Galilee. And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he, that is Jesus, got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, that's Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And Jesus sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've told all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled for, to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Now that's a good fishing trip, isn't it? Amen. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for a beautiful Lord's Day. It is Palm Sunday, the beginning of what we know of as the last week of your ministry that would lead to the cross on Good Friday and then to the glorious resurrection of our Lord on Easter Sunday. We thank you for this beautiful Lord's Day. Today, again, we pray for all of those that we have made mention of who are in need of prayer. We pray for every situation, every circumstance, every person. We pray that your will would be done in their life. We pray for healing for those who need healing. We pray for encouragement. Uh, we pray for guidance and direction. Lord, we just pray, make intercession for those that we have mentioned this morning and others who are on our heart and other circumstances and situations. Thank you for being a God who hears our prayers. Thank you for being a God who answers our prayers. And today our prayer is that you'll bless us as we have opened your inspired word. We want to learn more about you, Father, so that we can love you in a greater way, so that you can use us in this coming week to make a difference for you in this dark, dark world that we're living in. Thank you for all of your blessings. Thank you for all of your grace. Thank you for salvation in Jesus' name. Bless us now. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. We have been looking at the year of beginnings in the life of our Lord. That's the first year of the ministry of Jesus that is recorded exclusively 
in the Gospel of John. And during that first year, Jesus went to all of the major areas of Palestine. Now, Palestine was the Roman name for Israel. So, you know, it's an interchangeable term with Israel and Palestine. During that first year of the ministry, our Lord was in beyond Jordan. That's where he was baptized and where he uh, acquired his first followers. Then Jesus went back to Galilee. That's where he turned water into wine at the wedding. Then he went down to Judea, and that's where he cleansed the temple and had that meeting with Nicodemus. And then Jesus left Judea, and he went through Samaria to go back to Galilee, and it was in Samaria where Jesus met the woman at the well. Now, after the year of beginnings, and, and what scholars do, and I'm not a scholar, you know, I'm not smart enough to be a scholar. I'm just a student of the Bible. But what scholars do is they, they take all four Gospels together and they put them together in a harmony and they try to find patterns in the ministry of our Lord. And so the pattern you find is the year of beginnings. And then you have a, a section of, of time in the ministry of our Lord that scholars call the great Galilean ministry. And that's when Jesus focused his ministry mainly in the province of Galilee. Now, it's good to have a, a Bible map, you know, and look at the different prom provinces. But for about a year and a half, and you say, well, how do you know it's a year and a half? You always count the Passovers. <laughs> you count the Passovers. And so for about a year and a half, Jesus exclusively ministered almost exclusively in the area of Galilee. Now, on occasions, he would go down to Jerusalem for a festival or some kind of thing, but he would generally quickly go back to Galilee. So for about a year and a half, Jesus focused his ministry on Galilee. It, it was far enough away from Jerusalem that he was not constantly interrupted by the Pharisees, the opposition of the Pharisees. And so he focused his ministry there uh, in Galilee. And in fact, if you want to get technical, <laughs> there are actually three tours of Galilee that are distinct in the ministry of our Lord during that year and a half, but we won't get into that. But the great Galilean ministry lasted about a year and a half of the ministry of our Lord. Now, the, the ministry of Jesus after his baptism lasted about three and a half years. And so it's, it's during that time at the beginning of what is called the great Galilean ministry that what we look at today happened. This is also known as a time of, of great popularity for Jesus. The fame of Jesus had begun to spread. The news about Jesus, about his teaching, but also about his miracle working. Uh, and, and people began to come from all over Israel by this time. They had heard of Jesus and they began to come from all over Israel to try to find Jesus. And generally, Jesus was pretty easy to find. Just follow the crowds. And Jesus performed miracles. And so people would come to hear Jesus and to see miracles and to receive miracles. Now, Luke records for us on this occasion a very large crowd. He calls it a multitude. A very large crowd had gathered on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of of uh, Gennesaret. And that this large crowd had found Jesus and they gathered around Jesus to listen to Jesus preach and teach. And of course, people brought those who were infirm and those who were in need of healing as well. 
And so this great crowd gathered around Jesus while he's on the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And it would be difficult for this crowd to see Jesus and to hear Jesus. Plus, they were pressing on Jesus so that he couldn't really stand back and speak to the crowd. So here's what Jesus did. He saw some boats. And he got into one of the boats that belonged to Simon Peter. And he told Peter, just push out a little way from the shore. And so Jesus got in the boat. Peter pushed him out from the shore. And Jesus sat down. And he was far enough, far enough away from the multitudes that the multitudes could see them. Also, he had a natural amphitheater. You know, because generally the shore, there was a hillside by the shore. And so Jesus sat down and probably the people sat down as well. And so Jesus could speak. His voice could project. You know how uh, the sound projects over water? The people could see him and hear him better. And so Jesus talked for a while. He sat down and he began to teach the people. And Luke really doesn't record or give us a record of all that Jesus taught at this particular time. He just tells us that Jesus spent a time preaching to the people. And when Jesus finished, he sent the people away. He got out of the boat. See, you, you've, got a, you've got a cinema in your mind. You know, you, you have a, a movie projector in your mind. And even now you're visualizing this scene of Jesus finishing this time of preaching and teaching, getting out of the boat, sending the crowds away. And when he had done that, Luke records that Jesus performed a remarkable miracle. Now, there's a, there's a lot of lessons to learn from this miracle. You know, the miracles of Jesus, you study the miracles of Jesus, you study their settings, you study who was involved. You study what is done. They're not just recorded for historical reference that Jesus did this. They're recorded also because they're embedded with lessons, spiritual lessons, lessons that are important for us to learn today. And so from this miracle, this incident, I want us to see the lessons that I think we can learn from what Jesus did. And so today we're going to divide up this in this way. We're going to look at the men who were involved in this miracle. We're going to look at the miracle that Jesus performed. And then we're going to look at the mission that this miracle calls for us to do today. So first of all, let's look at the men who were involved in this miracle. Now, the men who were named, who were involved in this miracle were Peter, James, and John. Okay? And we know those names. They're part of the 12. Now, there's not 12 disciples yet. Jesus doesn't have his 12 disciples yet, but he's gathering disciples. Men are beginning to follow him. Now, as you study what John had to say about the year of beginnings, here's what we know. Peter, James, and John had met Jesus during the first year of his ministry. And during that time, they had begun to follow Jesus. Jesus had talked with them and they had been drawn to Jesus. And Peter, James, and John 
were among those who began to follow Jesus. So they began to follow Jesus during the first year of his ministry. They were there when Jesus performed the miracle at the wedding, turning water into wine. They were there when Jesus had that meeting with Nicodemus. They were with Jesus when he met the woman at the well in Samaria. But now they got back home to Galilee. And Peter, James, and John got together and said, you know, we've been following Jesus for a year. We've been kind of neglecting our fishing business. So it's, it's probably about time we go back to fishing. Now, they're not fishing just for pleasure. They're fishing to make a living. This is their living. This is what they do for a living. So they go back to their boats. They follow Jesus for a year. They've given Jesus a year of their life. And they go back to their boats. And they go back to their jobs as commercial fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. Now, just a little bit about the Sea of Galilee. I've never been there personally. But I understand that the Sea of Galilee is one of the, the most fertile freshwater fishing areas in the world. In fact, I read this fact about the Sea of Galilee. There are more different varieties of freshwater fish in the Sea of Galilee than there are in any other freshwater body in the world. It was a fertile fishing ground, not only in that day, but it continues to be today. So according to this passage now, Peter, James, and John were partners in a fishing business. They would fish at, at night, catch their fish, take the fish to the marketplace and sell their fish. That's how they made their living. And apparently, as you read between the lines, their business was pretty lucrative because they had several boats and several employees. And their, James and John's dad, Zebedee, he owned the business and Peter, James, and John were partners in this business. Well, they had followed Jesus now for about a year. Probably Zebedee came to his boys and said, boys, I appreciate you want to follow Jesus, but y'all need to go to work. <laughs> Sound like a daddy, doesn't it? Y'all need to go to work. You've been following Jesus for a while now. It's time to go to work. And so on this day, they had fished. They had fished at night. And Jesus kind of found his boys, you know, his preacher boys, his followers. And the crowds had found Jesus. And so Jesus had this time of teaching. Now, here's the thing about Peter, James, and John. The time had come. The time had come for these men to make a decision. And the decision was this. Were they going to go on being fishermen? Were they going to continue to be commercial fishermen? Or would they follow Jesus full time? That decision was yet to be made. They were either going to be fishermen or they were going to be, or were going to be followers of Christ. The time had come for them to make a decision and Jesus presented that decision that they needed to make to them in this very special way. You know, the time has come for a lot of people to make decisions in their life. There are significant decisions that we make in our life. Important decisions. Decisions that have a great bearing on our life. Where we're going to go to school. Where we're going to live. What kind of job we're going to have. These are very important decisions. But there is no more important decision in life that has a greater bearing on how we live in this world 
and our eternal destiny than the decision we make about Jesus Christ. Some people never make that decision. They never come to a point of decision that I will follow Jesus. Well, here's the thing. In not making that decision to follow Christ, you decide to reject him. You either decide to follow him or you decide to reject him. Ignore him. Leave him out of your life. The time had come for these men to make a decision. And Jesus presents that decision that they need to make to them in a very unique way. Would they forsake all to follow Jesus? Would they forsake their business? Would they forsake their homes? Would they forsake their families? Would they forsake all and follow Jesus? Now here's the thing. The call to believe in Jesus, the call, the call to follow Jesus has always been a call to forsake all and follow him. If you as a person are not willing to forsake all and follow Jesus, then you can't be a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen to Luke 14, 33. Jesus said, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all, then he cannot be my disciple. The call of Jesus has always been to forsake all to follow him. Now today in church life, we try to make it easier to follow Jesus. You know, we, we try to present the decision to follow Jesus in this way. You know, you don't have to do a whole lot. Just say this prayer, mumble this prayer, get your, your eternal life insurance. You know, if uh, through saying this prayer, we'll baptize you, make you a member of the church. Then you can go on and live the way you want to. And you've got it covered. That's not what it means to follow Christ. The call has always been, if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to follow Jesus, you must forsake all and follow him. That's the challenge Jesus presented to these men. That's the challenge of the gospel today. Listen to Matthew 6, verses 24 and 25. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever to des desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will follow it. And you might say, well, Brother Chris, does that mean that if I'm going to follow Jesus, I've got to sell everything I've got. I've got to give away everything I have. And I've got to literally do that to follow Jesus. That's not what it means. A person doesn't literally have to give up or give away or sell everything they own to follow Jesus. But here's what it does mean. The call to believe and follow Jesus is the call to give to Jesus the right to run your life. It means that you surrender to Jesus the right to control your life. The right to control who you are, the right to control what you have, the right to control your present and your future. If you're not willing to surrender your life to Jesus, to his control, you cannot follow him. It's called receiving Jesus and surrendering to Jesus as the Lord of your life.
but I was saved. I believed in Jesus. I believed that he died for me. I believe that he gave his life for me. I believe he rose from the dead. I believed in Jesus. And I accepted Christ. I asked him to come into my life and save me from my sin. But I also told Jesus this. From this day forward, you have the right to run my life. I will go where you send me. I will do what you want me to do. You have the right to control who I am. You have the right to control all that I have. You have the right to control my present. You have the right to control my future. I surrender myself to your Lordship. If you're not willing to do that, you cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ. The time had come for these men to make a decision. Would they follow Jesus or not? That's always the call to follow Christ and to believe in Jesus. You give him the right to run your life. (laughs) You make him Lord. By the way, you really don't make Jesus Lord. He's already Lord. You don't make Jesus Lord of your life. You surrender to his lordship. He's already Lord. Jesus is Lord of the believer and the unbeliever. It's just that the unbeliever hasn't surrendered to his lordship. Believers have. And so Jesus stands before. He's going to give this challenge to these men to make this decision. It's the most important decision a person will ever make. Will I follow Christ? Will I forsake all and follow Jesus? Will I surrender all to Him? Will I surrender to His Lordship? Will I surrender to His right to run my life, my future? Before I got saved, it was my intention to be the play-by-play announcer for the Atlanta Braves. That was my intention. I worked in radio. That's what I wanted to do. I got saved... And about a year later, the Lord said, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be a pastor. I want you to be a preacher. And you know what I said to the Lord? Amen. I'll do what you want me to do. (laughs) I'll follow you. The time had come for these men to follow Jesus. Maybe the time has come for you to follow Christ. You've messed around with this decision. You've kind of hem-hawed about this decision. You've kind of thought about it for years You've never really come to the point where you've made a decision, I will follow Jesus. Well, the time has come. If you're not a Christian, I tell you the time has come for you to make the most important decision of your life. The decision that will determine the course of your life in this world and your eternal destiny. And here's the thing. Don't assume that you have plenty of time to make this decision. You may not. Now, you know, sometimes preachers are accused of using that as a scare tactic. You better make that decision today because you may not have another time to make that decision. That's not a scare tactic. That's just the truth. No one's promised tomorrow. Amen? Today is the day. Now is the time. There's been many times when I've had that last handshake, that last meeting with someone and lo and behold the next day I hear that they're no longer in this world that they have passed away and so you had Peter James and John they had followed Jesus for a year now they've gone back to fishing they've gone back to their business and so Jesus presents this decision they have to make you'll either be fishermen or you'll be followers of me 
So that's the men involved. Let's look at the miracle that Jesus performs. It is so cool. See, here's what I believe. When we get to heaven, we're going to go down Golden Avenues, down uh, Silver uh, Street, over to the Bijou Theater in the heavenly square in heaven. And we're going to be able to see, actually see a cinematic presentation of these miracles of Jesus. I want to see the, you know, Charleston Heston, he was a pretty good Moses, but I want to see the actual Moses and the actual parting of the Red Sea. Don't you? Uh, I just got a sneaking suspicion. I may be totally wrong about it, but in heaven, I think the Lord's going to show us this stuff. We've read about it. I want to see it. Don't you? And this is such a cool miracle. So Jesus finishes teaching the crowd. James and John, they've been listening to what Jesus is saying. And there's over there washing and mending their fishing nets. That's how they fish. They, you know, they had, they had fishing poles and bait and that kind of thing. But if you're a commercial fisherman, you fished with nets. You put your nets down, your boat kind of moved through the water and you hope to scoop up a school of fish. That's how they fished. And so it was rough fishing that way. And so every time they got through fishing, a time of fishing, they'd get their nets out and they'd make sure that there were no holes in the nets and they'd clean the nets and they would mend the nets. And so Peter, James, and John, they're over there. They're mending their nets and listening to Jesus. They're kind of grumbling among one of the, amongst one another. We fished all night and didn't catch nothing. You know? But they're listening to Jesus. Now, the fact that they had fished all night and had caught nothing, literally nothing, was very unusual and it was embarrassing. Commercial fishermen didn't fish all night on the Sea of Galilee and catch nothing. I mean, literally nothing. You usually caught something, a few fish. But here, Peter, James, and John, bless their hearts, they had fished all night long on the Sea of Galilee. These professional commercial fishermen had fished all night long, and they didn't catch a thing. And it was unusual, and it was embarrassing. So Jesus finishes teaching. He sends the crowd away. And then he steps over to Peter, James, and John. And I can just see the twinkle in our Lord's eye as he says, hey, boys. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, professional fishermen didn't fish in the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the day. It was too hot. And the fish would not be close enough where the nets could catch them. If you were a professional fisherman, you fished at night when the water was cooler and the fish would come up for feeding in the cool of the water. And so I'm sure Peter, James, and John kind of looked at one another and saying, okay, if we didn't catch nothing last night, there's absolutely zero chance that we're going to catch any kind of fish during the heat of the day. But this is Jesus telling them what to do. And they've seen Jesus do some things. And so out of respect for Jesus, probably to show Jesus that he was a carpenter and a preacher and he should stick to that and leave the fishing to them. They agreed. Peter said, okay, we'll, you know, we'll do what you want to do. So Peter, James, and John, they get in their boat. They go out into the water, and they let down their nets, and immediately, boom, just like that, their nets filled up with fish. Immediately, 
It didn't take like an hour. It was immediately. All of a sudden, here comes all these fish jumping in their nets. And they begin to pull the, the nets in. And it began to... There's so many fish that it threatened to sink their boat. And then they called for their partners. And the partners went out and let down their nets. And it began to sink their boat. And so they're... They're str- Can you see this in the cinema of your mind? They're struggling with all of these fish and all of these nets. And they're about to sink their boat. And they're trying to get to the shore. And all the time they're doing that, Peter looking at Jesus. And Jesus is standing on the shore just smiling. <laughs> He's just smiling away. Our Lord had a great sense of humor. Our Lord was somebody you loved. And he was just smiling. And they're trying their best to get in the fish and get them to the, to the shore. It was an obvious miracle. Now, why did Jesus perform this miracle? Now, Jesus didn't perform this miracle just to show off. You see, if you had the, the, the power to perform miracles every now and then, you'd just do a miracle to show off, wouldn't you? That's the way human beings are. I mean, you know. If, if you could do a miracle, you'd probably just do a miracle to say, hey, look at this. Look what I can do. <laughs> and you'd show off. Jesus never performed a miracle just to show off. There was always a point to his miracles. So why did he do this miracle? Jesus was giving to Peter, James, and John definitive, a definitive demonstration of his deity. That he is God. That he's not just a human being. He is a human being, but he's more than that. He's God in human flesh. It's an it's a evidence that he is the Messiah. That he's the promised one. That he's the son of God. That God has sent him into the world. Amen. And it's time for Peter, James, and John to make a decision. Would they just be fishermen? Or would they be followers? The disciples struggled to get all these fish to the shore. And Peter, when he got to the shore, he did three things. He first of all came up to Jesus and fell on his knees. And he confessed Jesus as Lord. Luke 5, 8, when Peter, Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. What Jesus did in this miracle confirmed for Peter that Jesus was more than just a man. That he was God. And at this moment, Peter publicly confessed Jesus as his Lord. There has to come a time in a person's life when they do that. When they confess to heaven and they confess to the world that Jesus is Lord. And Peter said, you're Lord. Second of all, he confessed his sin. Being in the presence of God who is perfectly holy, Peter became keenly aware of his sin. And knowing that he was unworthy to be in the presence of God, fearing the judgment of God for his sin, Peter asked Jesus to go away from him. I'm a sinner. Oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. You are perfectly holy. I am a sinner. He confessed his sin. You want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? You got to be honest with God about yourself. When I got saved, I told the Lord I'm a sinner. And the Lord said, yeah, I know. 
I know. But see, I had never confessed that to him before until that moment. And I came before him and I said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. I've used bad language. I've done bad stuff. I've thought evil things. I've done all kind of wickedness and immorality and sin and wrong in my life. I'm a sinner. And God, I'm sorry. And I believe in my heart that you died on the cross for all of my sin. That you became personally responsible for all of this evil and sin that I have in my life. That somehow, some way, the evil I have done was transferred to you. And you stood in my place and you took the judgment of God for me. I don't understand how you did it, but I believe it. Peter confessed his sin. He confessed Jesus as Lord. He confessed his sin. You know how long it's been? How long it's been since I have seen anybody in church walk an aisle broken over their sin. People are so prideful. They just won't do it. They just, they just won't do it. They won't confess. They won't just admit it. They won't come in tears and brokenness and say, God, I'm a sinner. We always want to compare ourselves to other sinners. Well, I may be bad, but there's somebody always more worse than I am. No, to confess God to say, you know what Paul said of himself? He said, I am the sinner. There's no one greater of a sinner than I am. Peter confessed his sin and then he committed his life to Christ. Peter said, nope, I'm not leaving you. Or Jesus said to Peter, I'm not leaving you. You're going to follow me because I forgive you, Peter. And you're going to follow me. And Peter committed his life to Christ at that moment. You know what he did? He forsook all and followed Jesus. He left his boats. He left his business. He left the safety and security of what he had. He left it all and he followed Jesus. Now, you don't have to sell your home. You don't have to give up all your money. You don't have to leave your job to follow Jesus. But what you have to do is you have to tell Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And all that I have and all that I am belongs to you. My present, my future, it all belongs to you. I am yours. And from this day forward, I will follow you wherever you lead me to go. I will follow you. Three essential elements of any salvation experience must be true repentance and confession of our sin to God, believing the truth about Jesus, and forsaking all to follow Him as the Lord of your life. You say, yeah, you mean I have to give up the right? I got all these plans. I got all these dreams. I got all these wants. I got all these desires. I have to give them up for Jesus. Listen. Whatever you lose in following Christ is nothing compared to what you gain. It's like giving up rags for riches. The Lord is rich unto all who call upon Him. Yeah, I wanted to be that play-by-play announcer. I got something even better. And I can still watch the Braves on TV. Can I get a witness? Follow Christ. And so it, the time had come for these men to make a decision. And Jesus does this miracle. 
to bring it to a head. It's time, boys. Make a decision. Be fishermen or be followers. And finally, I want us to see the mission that this miracle presents for us today. The proof that these men made a decision to put their faith in Jesus, the proof that these men were saved, that they had been born again, was their willingness to forsake all and follow him. They left their nets. They left their safety. They left their security. They left their families. They left their homes. They left it all, and they followed Jesus. Now remember this. A faith that is all talk and no action is not a saving faith. A faith that is absent of a surrender and a commitment of one's life to Jesus Christ is not a saving faith. A faith that has no effect on how a person lives is not a saving faith. When a person gives their life to Christ, God changes them. Amen. We are made new creatures. We are born again. God invades our life when we give our life to Christ. He gives us a new heart, a new mind, a new purpose, and a new mission in life. The greatest evidence you've been saved is a changed life. You're not perfect, but you are different. Amen? Yeah. After what Jesus did in your life. And the new mission we are given now is to live for Jesus. The new mission we are given now is to be fisher of men. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fisher of men. As you have fish for these fish, we're going to go hunting some, some, some new things to fish for. For men and women and boys and girls to put their faith in God. Follow me and I will make you fisher of men. What does that mean? That means our new mission in life is to do all we can to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world. That's my mission in life. I've got a new mission in life. I'm not going to give you the details, but this week I will have a unique opportunity to be in the presence of well-known people. Well-known people. I will have the opportunity to interact with a group of well-known people. I'm not going to be overwhelmed by who they are. But you know what I got in my heart and mind? I'm going to be a witness for Jesus among those people. Amen. I'm going to be a witness because I have been called to be a fisher of men. And most of those folks are not going to be Christians. They're not Christians. But I'm going to be a witness to them. They're going to see Jesus in me to the best of my ability as God helps me. That's my goal is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. See, you give your life to Christ and he gives you a new purpose in life, new meaning in life, a new heart in life, a new goal in life, a new mission in life. Now, my mission is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. That's why I do all that stuff on the Internet. And I don't know nothing about all that. All I know is push this button and there I am, you know, and I sure am pretty, you know. So how can you be a fisher for men? You've been saved. You've made that commitment. Now your mission is to be a fisher for men. So how can you be a fisher of men? First of all, always be ready to share the gospel with other people. Say, that scares me to death. What if they ask me a question I can't answer? What if they want to argue with me? Well, you'll get that sometime. So here's what you do. You just tell them what Jesus did for you. 
You tell them I was in church when I was 15 years old. Preacher was preaching. God spoke to my heart. I believed in Jesus. I gave my life to Christ. He changed my life. And this is how God has blessed me. Now, how are they going to question that? You know, that's your story. You're an expert in your story. Share the gospel with others. Tell them your salvation story. Tell them what it was like, where it was, what happened when you began to follow Christ. Another way you can be fisher of men is by inviting them to your church. Say, I want you to come to my church. It's Easter Sunday next Sunday. I want you, I want you to come to our church. We're going to have great music. Brother Chuck's going to lead us in wonderful music. It's going to be beautiful. We're going to celebrate Easter. Brother Chris is going to preach on the resurrection. Our people are so friendly. They'll hug you to death if you let them. They're so friendly. They love you. You'll find a great experience. Don't be afraid to come to our church. Invite people to come to church. You'll be amazed at how many people will come to church if you invite them. And so we're to do everything we can to share the gospel of Jesus. That's our mission. Now, if you're not a Christian, I want to tell you something. The time has come. The time has come for you to make a decision. You fooled around with this since you were a kid. You've been fooling around with this. Will I give my life to Jesus or not? And there's been times when you wanted to and times when you didn't want to. And there, you've been dealing with this and you've been struggling with this. I want to tell you today, today's the day to make that decision. Today is the day. Today is the day to make that decision to give your life to Jesus Christ. You say, well, I got so many questions. Well, maybe I can answer some of them. There are a lot of questions I can't answer. There's a lot of questions I still don't know the answer to. But I know this. Jesus is Lord. And he died on the cross for me. And he rose again. And when I gave him my life, questions and all, he changed my life and he made me brand new. He changed who I am in this world and he changed my eternal destiny. Give your life to Christ. He will bless you and you won't regret it. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe and may God bless you.